the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. Hey guys, welcome back into the Cover 3 College Ball Podcast here. This is another one of our Around the Clock series with our 24-7 sports experts. And today, I'm proud to be joined by the preeminent Michigan expert, Sam Webb of the Michigan Insider. Sam, man, what's going on? It's going great, bud. How are things going for you, man? Just getting ready for the season. Doing well, man. Trying to dodge the rain down here in, in, in sunny Florida, which I, I ran into you recently down there at the uh, the IMG 7-on-7 right. seven seven National Championship. I, I don't think anybody works as hard for, for his readers than Sam does, man. Just, just an awesome job you guys do over there. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. We figure... You got to go where the story is, especially nowadays with, you know, social media saturated with folks who can reach out via DM or or, you know, instant message. You got to go to where the people are. So we we take pride in doing that, even if that means going all over the country. You still pick up stuff on location that kids just won't tell you over DM. You sure do. Well, and then, you know, the other thing that I find is you you make that personal connection, you know, face to face then it's easier to get the things that you need to get via DM or text message or that kind of thing. So it all goes hand in hand, actually. No doubt about it. All right. So the first question we've been using here for this series for pretty much everybody is 2020 was weird. Uh, How much do you really take away from Michigan season? They went two and four, I believe. Um, Bill Connolly had them 33rd in the country per SB plus. But I mean, sometimes Michigan was playing they were missing quite a few guys. Sometimes the opponents were missing quite a few guys. What what kind of takeaways can you really make from a, you know, from a six-game season, Sam? Uh, you know, I think there's some tangible takeaways, but I think that you – I think you have to be careful not to, you know, exaggerate the meaning, but also think that you have to take stock. And I think Michigan did that. So what do I, what do I mean by not exaggerating the meaning? You're two and four, but you're missing Nico Collins who is who is your big time, big play receiver when you're breaking in a new quarterback. That's number one. You're missing Jalen Mayfield, who is your top returning lineman on a very young offensive line. That was huge that, you know, you didn't have him. Ambry Thomas, who I think would have played himself into a first or second round draft pick. He didn't play and still goes in the third round. You know, I think he would have been, he would have locked that secondary in, not just from a, playmaking perspective but the leadership perspective then you get into the season quitty pay who's a first round pick gets hurt Aiden Hutchinson who's likely to be a first round pick this season gets hurt so you're missing your best players you know that's going to lead to with all that inexperience that can very well lead to you having a down season like Michigan had so don't exaggerate two and four but you know there are some things that came glaring through and to me 
offensive line, having some of those young guys ready to go, I think, or getting them ready, uh, more ready than they were. Uh, being able to connect with those guys. I think that that was something that Jim Harbaugh saw as a problem. So he made a change there and moved Sharon Moore over to the offensive line coaching position. I think defensively, the issues that they had is, look, I, you will never hear me, uh, you know, disparage a guy's coaching acumen. All these coaches will forget more football than I'll ever know. But what you can see last year is that Michigan didn't have the talent to match the scheme that they were trying to play. And if you look at Don Brown when he came in to Michigan, the talent that he inherited in 2016 with Jordan Lewis and Taco Charlton and Chris Wormley and even even uh, a guy like Rashawn Gary, who's a freshman that year, and Devin Bush, who was a freshman. All those guys were inherited guys, bud. And you just the recruiting on the defensive side of the ball didn't keep up in the fashion necessary to play the this, this scheme of defense that he wanted to play. So you saw a huge overhaul on that side of the ball as well. So that's where you take stock. Do we need to change, make some changes coaching staff wise? Do we need to make some changes recruiting staff wise to make sure we not only get back on track, but get to the point where we can get over the hump. And that hump is Ohio state. I think you saw Jim Harbaugh make the chi- kind of changes that could possibly help them do that. Absolutely. It's interesting. You bring up the talent, you know, on defense and playing the type of scheme as a native ACC guy, we, we saw that, I think, with Pitt, right? When Narduzzi came over from Michigan State, uh, they were trying to play a very Michigan State-style defense without the players to do so, and so they got torched on the deep ball. And and I see the same trend here. You know, when I'm looking at some of the, the advanced stats, so third and long success rate for Michigan. Like, you get a team into third and long, you feel that's pretty great, and then defensively 122nd in the nation, which is – well, we had four teams didn't play last year, like UConn, New Mexico State. So that's basically like fourth from the bottom. I, I totally, like, I, I totally see what, what what you mean there. Um, you know, this year's schedule is is interesting for them. What I assume you think the team's going to be better. I I, I certainly do. Uh, I, I guess the question is, you know, how much better, and, and where are the spots that you think it it will be perhaps noticeably better? I think they'll be better up front. Let's start there. Uh, you had a lot of guys that, you know, while they took their lumps last year, they got some experience. So I think Zach Zenner, for instance, who is an early enroll freshman last year. But I, I think athletically, you're talking about a guy who's 6'6", 325. He ran a 5'140", like a, you know, a shuttle in the four sixes. I mean, he is a wild card up front that they didn't, they didn't know what they had in him last year. Uh, until late in the season when he started to play a little bit. He could be your center this year. You know, we could start seeing guys that were like a Trente Jones, who I know you're familiar with, who's yep. an Under Armour All-American, who they didn't, I mean, who was really, I think, kind of struggling under the former offensive line coach. He had a really good spring. So you you have a guy in Zach Zinner. You got a guy in Trevor Keegan, who was a who was a four-star, top two, four, seven guy. So a few guys in there who got their feet wet last year, uh, and then some injured guys like an Andrew Stuber, like a Ryan Hayes, guys they are expecting to return to form. You lock that in with a little more experience and some health. They should be better up front. That'll make life better at the quarterback position. Kay McNamara got his feet wet, filling in for Joe for Joe Milton uh, and really stepped up the play of the offense. But then he got hurt. I think he'll be better. And then you got a crew of receivers who have played now some substantial football. 
and that should make them better equipped to fill in for what was an abrupt loss last year of a guy like Nico Collins. So they'll be better on the offensive side of the ball. And defensively, you know, it's a wait and see. It's hard not to be better defensively to the point that you made, right? But they, it is a completely new scheme. And you're trying to fit the scheme to the talent and the talent to the scheme. What can you put in now that these guys can accomplish talent-wise? What can you put in now that these guys can absorb in order to go out and play fast? These are big questions heading into the season defensively. So I got a question mark on that side of the ball. I think they'll be better just because it's hard to be worse. But offensively, I'm certain they'll be better. So you, you mentioned Cade McNamara. Obviously, he played well when he was healthy last year when he was thrown into the fire despite the loss of Nico Collins. Um, but yet they've they got a freshman, McCarthy, who's coming in who is also pretty talented. We, you know, down here at IMG, originally from Chicago, are, are you confident that this is McNamara's job to lose, or do you think it's really got an open battle? What What are your, you know, what, what what's your feel on that? Yes, yeah, a great question, bud. It's a terrific question. It's the question that everyone around here is asking. I I do think it's absolutely K McNamara's job to lose. I think that it's the classic case of experience versus talent. And don't don't mistake what I'm saying. I'm not suggesting that Cade isn't talented. I'm, I'm just highlighting the fact that J.J. McCarthy is the superior physical talent. But that doesn't always result in the most consistent play. So what they saw over the spring is you would get these wild plays from J.J. I think J.J. Would, I know J.J. would tell you this. He would make some big plays. Uh, but then he would also make the oh shucks mistake. <laughs> Whereas uh, K. McNamara, because he is more versed in the scheme, more acquainted with the team, he has some moxie, some swagger, and now a little experience, too. He was more consistent. He moved the chains. He took what was there. He would make some big plays, too. Maybe not as many wild type of, of plays as, as J.J., but he wouldn't make the old shucks mistake. So I, that's why I think it would be a huge surprise to see anyone but Cade McNamara under center to start the season. Now, I said to start the season. Because I think you're going to see J.J. McCarthy because J.J. opens up different parts of this new offense. They hired Matt Weiss to come in and be the quarterback's coach from the Baltimore Ravens. He's the running back's coach there. Part of that was to install the Ravens' run game. Now, you know football, but I think while I can credit those football coaches with the Ravens, John Harbaugh and the crew with what they do with motion and, and, and formation, they do achieve – some advantageous looks for their run game. But a huge part of their run game, that guy named Lamar Jackson. <laughs> so now I'm not suggesting that J.J. McCarthy is Lamar Jackson, but if you want any semblance of a run threat back there, it's J.J. that gives you some of that. And that that's what they saw in the spring. So that's why I think you'll see him play in maybe package situations early. But his talent is so... His talent is so substantial that I could see that as they get into the season that, you know, he could, he could take over. Time will tell, uh, but I think it's definitely K. McNamara to start, and we'll have to see if he can hold on to it. So last year, we, we already spoke about the offensive line. I think that's a great breakdown on the quarterback, Sam. And I, I feel like they're actually, for not necessarily having a totally defined starter, in a decent spot at QB because you do have two kids who are talented. You know, one, as you mentioned, with more experience. Last year, 110th in the nation in percentage of receptions from the outside receivers. Mm -hmm. um, 
I think they were like a hundred and what are they? Uh, no, 98th in deep ball rating. So that's not all the QB. A lot of that is also on the outside receivers. Who from this team, you know, if I'm playing some super deep, like big 10 only fantasy football league, I like who, who is the guy who you think has the best chance to break out and become like the true number one on the outside who can be a, a guy you can push the ball down the field to. Another great question and another great observation. You're right. It's not all the QB. You got to be able to protect. <laughs> Number one, they couldn't protect last year. That was a huge issue. Uh, you also had no Nico Collins. That was another big issue uh, when it came to pushing the football down the field. Uh, this year, they have more speed with experience. So they injected some speed into the equation last year with Roman Wilson and A.J. Henning. We saw them at times get down the field. And Cornelius Johnson is maybe the guy best equipped, former Adidas All-American, uh, a guy who brings you some size on the outside, at, you know, over 6'2", about 195 pounds. Uh, he, and he brings you some speed. He made some plays there late in the season. So it, if you're talking about a, the candidate, the most well-rounded candidate who can make the downfield play, who can make the intermediate play, who could make some, you know, some yards after catch too. I would say Cornelius would be the guy. They have some other candidates that certainly have the speed to get deep. And I named a couple with AJ Henning and Roman Wilson. And then you got, you can't leave out a guy like Ronnie Bell, who is the, who is the chain mover, tough guy, leader guy of the group. But the best combination of size, speed, and talent is Cornelius Johnson. So I would say that he was the, number one candidate to be their, their, their top wide out. And maybe the dark horse in that race is the transfer they got from Jackson State, this kid, Dalen Baldwin, who was a SWAC uh, newcomer of the year last year before he left, uh, left Deion Sanders' team to come back home. He worked out at Penn State, wild then worked out at Ohio State a couple of days later. Ohio State offered him, and then he worked out at Michigan the next day. They offered him. He committed to Michigan because he's from Farmington, Michigan. So he's a guy. He has some experience. He's 6'2". He's about 200 pounds. He has some – he has 4'4 speed. He could be a guy as well who could break out. Definitely a potential impact guy. They were speaking with Sam Webb of the Michigan Insider. Also listen to the Michigan Insider podcast. Great VIP experience. I don't think anybody out there can bring you Michigan coverage like Sam and his great team do. Uh, so let's go ahead and shift here a little bit to the defense a lot of new defensive coaches coming in. What, how, how is this going to look? I know when I spoke with you down at IMG, they're, they're a little bit worried that, that Jay Toya, the, the transfer who was on, was he even on campus or was he just committed? Yeah, you know, just, yeah he, he visited. Okay. Um, you know, he's going to be back at UCLA now, it looks like. What, what is this transition to? Uh, I assume they're going to go th 34, right? Yeah, they're going to be multiple, but yeah, they're a base 3-4. Um, <laughs> you know, ideally, they would have – a big space eater in the middle that could two gap it. Right. But you know, that that's to me, the biggest concern for Michigan defensively is size up front. Uh, I think if you look back at last year, how could you say that they got torched <laughs> in the secondary? Right. I think that there are two reasons and I'm not suggesting that, you know, one year turns a, a huge, huge blemish into a non-issue. I just think, they can they have enough pieces on the back end to be solid. So a guy like Jamon Green, for instance, who played some last year, 
Uh, I think, you know, use that experience to have a really good spring on the corner. I think they feel confident in what he could do on the other side. You know, it's a work in progress. They, you saw, uh, you, you saw a few different guys on the other side, I think coming out of spring DJ Turner, who's from down that way, played his senior year at, uh, at IMG. I think that they're feeling like he's the, the leading candidate, but if it's me and I'm struggling on that side, uh, you know, whether it's DJ Turner or Vincent Gray, if I'm struggling on the corner, I got a guy named Dax Hill in the middle who I think could be an All-American safety or corner. And Michigan has recruited uh, safety extremely well. That's the one position that Don Brown's staff recruited splendidly. So I could move Dax Hill to corner and be fine in the secondary. You can't manufacture, you know, 320 pounders up front. So they have some guy, a couple of guys with size. So Mozzie Smith, who was an Under Armour All-American, been working to get into the lineup. They saw some flashes in the spring. We'll see if he's able to step up. He's, to me, the number one candidate. They got a guy named Jordan Whitley from Oregon State, a transfer. He's like 357 pounds. The question is, is he too big? So can, you know, what kind of shape will he be in when the season rolls around? Then you got some guys who are not necessarily nose tackles that you might have to play in that role a guy like Chris Hinton, a guy like Donovan Jeter, who's back. I mean, these are bigger guys than the rest of the crew, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're, they're nose tackle. So can Michigan hold up up front? They have a lot of bodies, a lot of guys who are 270, 280. That was Don Brown's thing. He would get 240 and build them up. Uh, but can they hold up up front? Can they not get pushed around up front? Can they generate pass rush consistently? You got Aiden Hutchinson back. But it can't just be Aiden Hutchinson. Our offensive lines will be able to key on them. So that's the biggest question mark up front or on this defense. Can they withstand offenses up front? And, and then from there, you can figure out how much of this new defense you can put in. So I'm going to hit you with a question called, if Vegas is right. So Vegas has a win total right now. I'm seeing some seven and a half with a lot of juice to the over and you know an eight, eight flat with uh, you know basically no juice. So let, let's... Let's call it eight and four per Vegas. If Vegas is right at eight and four, what happens? <clears throat> excuse me. What what happens to Jim Harbaugh and his staff? So, what does that eight and four look like? Is it an eight and four with a win over Ohio State? Is it an eight and four where you didn't lose to any teams that you weren't quote supposed to lose to unquote? Was it an eight and four where you didn't get run off the field? in any game, especially Ohio State. If it's an eight and four like that, then I think that Jim Harbaugh and his staff are fine. I think they'll be back. If it's an eight and four where they get destroyed by Ohio State, uh, where they lose games that it's like, like Michigan State last year, you know, losing, losing multiple games like that, then there, it becomes a bigger question mark. And I, I think that if, if you listen to Jim Harbaugh talk, I think he, I, I, you know, he doesn't really share a lot. He doesn't open up with what he's really thinking and feeling with the media, but he said something in the off season that resonated with me. He said, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make moves out of fear of losing my job. Now you don't make a statement like that, bud, unless you know that that's a possibility, right? Sure. You know, or that it's been suggested to you, perhaps. Or it has been suggested to you, right. So it, it tells me that everyone around understands the, 
the stakes, but I don't think they're walking around nervous. I don't think they're walking around fearful of that outcome because I think they are very confident in the changes that they made making a difference. So again, it's what does that eight and four look like? Uh, And I think, I think Michigan fans have reason to be optimistic about that. If it's eight and four, not that you'd be happy with that, but that being an eight and four, that's not a complete and total embarrassment. And you know, this is a, a challenging schedule in, in some ways, uh, not only because of the teams who are on there. I mean, you, you do draw Wisconsin from the West. And obviously, you have to you know, go to Penn State. You finish with Ohio State at home. But but the opening game, or well, not the opener, but but the uh, you know the, the Power Five opener is against Washington, a team that you know from previous around the clocks we know like they don't throw the ball very well, but they can run it down your throat and did so last year. And they have some big dudes up front. I mean, one of their guards is like three sixty. Uh, yes. And, you know, like that's going to just from, from talking to you, you know, uh, just today, like if that's the concern, that's a game they got to somehow man up and find a way to get right. Like like that's going to potentially set the tone for their season early on. You hit the nail on the head. And that's exactly the game I have in mind early in the season when I say, you know, the, the issues or the questions, the biggest questions that you have on that defense. I mean, they're, they're glaring right there in that game. I mean, can you hold up against that offensive line? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. So you're asking me to predict that outcome. Uh, it, it really boils down to at least when it comes to how well they defend, how well do they play up front on the defensive line is the, is the biggest and most salient question uh, heading into that game for the Michigan Wolverines. So I, I, I'm curious about this, and, and I, I know your answer because I, I listened to the Michigan Insider podcast, but you know, with, with all the stuff swirling around Harbaugh last year and what looked to be a bit of a – I don't know if you want to call it like a, like a hollow extension, but it's an, they didn't expand the buyout, right? They just expanded the contract. So it's – right. am I right on that? Like, so it's so, – so, so it's a brilliant contract from a, from, a mission, from a school perspective. I've never seen anything like it tell you the truth right right so he was extended and basically his salary was cut in half for the most part but with incentives he could make what he would have made as a base salary before if they decided to part ways then they would be parting ways for the salary with the buyout that he has they'd be parting ways for the salary that he would have commanded had he ended the contract that he was on. So basically you're getting, if you decided to move on, you'd be getting out of that contract for what he would have made in the last year of his last contract. Anyway, it's a brilliant contract. And basically what you're saying to Harbaugh and what he agreed to is look, we can't give you the, the contract that we gave you coming in. Cause the contract we gave you coming in suggests you know, Big Ten Championship, playoff appearance, you're beating Ohio State. Those things haven't happened. Right now, you have certainly done more. You 10 games, won 10 games three times. You've beaten everyone in the Big Ten but Ohio State, right? You have gotten Michigan to one of those, you know, one of those elite bowl games in the Orange Bowl. You've done those things, but the championship-level hurdle, we haven't cleared yet. So we'll give you a a salary that's commensurate with that kind of showing. And then we will incentivize you reaching those benchmarks that maybe we paid you for coming in the door. It's a brilliant contract. And then that's Jim Harbaugh betting on him, betting on himself. 
how in the world did they keep a number 13 recruiting class together I, man. With, with, with all that stuff? I mean, I know J.J. <laughs> McCarthy is a great recruiter yeah. for, for you yeah. know, as a recruit, but I mean, Sam, what they have 13 blue chips in the class out, out of, yeah. you know, 22 commits like that. That was always wild to me. I was like, I don't know, man. Like, I, I understand they're giving Harbaugh the, the extension. Well, Bud, here's the thing. When you talk about keeping the class together and giving him the extension, they didn't give him that extension. They didn't announce that as extension until after the early signing period. So you had to have the class sign really before there was that certainty, if you will. So, you know, I think they benefited from a couple of things. I think J.J. McCarthy – who you pointed out, fearless uh, recruiter, really helped keep the class together. Uh, your top target, Donovan Edwards, is an in-state guy, right? An in-state guy who I, I think really identified with, with Michigan, really identified with a lot of his former teammates on the squad. His coach, Ron Bellamy, is a former Wolverine. That helps. Uh, and so I think that – and then the, the job that the staff did, that staff did of, of really keeping that crew together i think it, it was commendable sharon moore and brian jean marie for instance who is now at tennessee uh did some great work down the stretch there um you know josh got I me mean, those jim harbaugh i think i thought was very very forward not just with keeping guys in that class using you know using his efforts to keep his guys in that class but even the the next class before guys could commit he was on the phone saying wait i'm about to make some changes to my staff so very aggressive in offering assurances uh, and even in the instances where guys weren't sure of their futures at Michigan, they were doing a good job of telling those players that your future at Michigan can still be really good, even if I'm not here. So I think it was a convergence of events, maybe a little luck there in that your top target, your top remaining target was an in-state guy. And then, of course, after signing day, you get your staff together, you make some key additions, you flip a guy like Rayshon Benny, who's another in-state guy, uh, and it, it leads to you having that kind of stronger-than-expected class. So I, it doesn't always, to your point, it doesn't always go that way, right? Uh, I think there is some, some skill and some luck involved. Here. Absolutely. Sam, I, this has been a blast. And uh, guys, if you're not a VIP member of the Michigan Insider, you need to go over there and check it out. It's awesome board discussion, great insider nuggets. Sam's always dropping great custom videos that, that Eddie makes for these guys. And it's it's a great experience. I'm, I'm always over there checking it out, occasionally commenting. And uh, guys, go check it out. Sam, really appreciate it. Thanks, bud. Appreciate you, man. All right, take care. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? 
and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 